Thanks for checking out the Lakeshore Podcast. If this is your first time listening with us, we want you to know God loves you. We want for your hope in Jesus to be renewed and for your faith to come to life. Wherever you are joining us from, we hope this message encourages you. I'll let you get over there. Hey, if you have your Bibles, turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 13. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, and uh, just uh, so glad and grateful to be here. Uh, last week, as you know, we did not have service. Um, a bunch of different stuff was going on. I, for one, had kidney stones, uh, which are always fun again uh, the second time around. And so uh, that one took a long time to finally get rid of. But uh, praise the Lord that that happened. And then we had a bunch of other things. And so um, all across our campuses, we uh, ended up doing uh, our video and so uh, thank you guys for coming today and being a part. So uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 13, um, and we, uh, over the last couple of weeks, we began a series called Three Essential Things, uh, which are found in 1 Corinthians, um, and this is what it reads. It says, three things will last forever. This is in the New Living Translation. These, uh, the three things uh, will last forever, faith, hope, and love. And the greatest of these is love. Um, and and w- what is great about it, these three foundational pieces, right? They're, they're just kind of immovable. You can't, you can't get rid of faith, hope, and love. And they're essential to our Christian life. Would you agree? Yeah, absolutely, 100%. And if we choose to stick with and grow with and apply them to our lives and really gain some real understanding, it'll help us, right? It'll, it'll help to be able to stabilize us in this increasingly, increasingly unstable world that we live in that is full of chaos, that is full of deception, that is full of fear, that is full of confusion, right? And quite frankly, as we know, our, our culture is really influenced by the enemy. And that culture constantly is trying to feed us uh, a full plate of all of this stuff daily, constantly, all the time. But see, if we're rooted and grounded in these three essentials, along with God's word, then you know what? We won't drift. We talked about that undercurrent. Like if you were to go in out, out, out at the ocean, And what happens is undercurrent, you can't see it on the top, but underneath it starts to draw you, it starts to pull you. Well, that's what the culture does. When we give ourselves too much time to the culture and too much time to what the culture has to say, then all of a sudden, you know what? We begin to drift off of God's word. We begin all of a sudden to find ourselves somewhere else and we're like, well, wait a minute, how did I end up here? Well, a large part of it is because, you know what? We haven't been rooted and grounded in God's word enough to be able to recognize and say, hey, I, I'm not going to, I'm going to move right past. I'm going to keep going straight and forward. And so it's important for us to, to understand that we, we need God's word in our life in times such as like this so that we, we don't lose sight. We don't get pulled away by anything the culture says, but that we actually have God's truth and the leading of the Holy Spirit leading us and directing us and guiding us in times like these. Would you agree to that? Yeah, absolutely. So we started with love. Okay, this has been a, 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 a process that we're talking about because first off, and we want everyone to know that God loves you, right? And we need to know that. And we need to know that God will go to great lengths to, to show you his love, 
right? His, he, he will go to, to great lengths to protect, to care for, to provide for, to do anything he has to do in order to do that. And a great scripture that we talked about a little bit uh, a couple weeks ago, but a great scripture is John chapter 3, verse 16, right? We all know that. We've all heard that. Probably the most famous verse in the Bible that everyone knows, where it says this, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. Now, let's add verse 17 onto that. For it says, for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, okay, or to judge the world, but that the world through him might be saved, right? And I mean, verse 17 is important to know. It really is, because we, we stop at 16. 16 is the greatest scripture of all time. But I think 17 is vitally important that we recognize and get a hold of that as well. Because it helps us to realize that God's plan is never to condemn anyone, right? It's never to condemn anyone, but instead it's he's trying to rescue, he's trying to restore, he's trying to refresh, he's trying to provide and care for everyone who comes to him. He wants everyone to come to him. It's not an exclusive club, right? It's not a country club. It's not, hey, I, I got a pass. No, he wants to gather every single person that's ever been born, and he wants to bring them into his kingdom, bring them into his love so that we can experience this beautiful, this, this gracious love of God. So today we're going to continue on to develop kind of that truth that you are so loved. And here's our title for today. God understands. God understands. Let me pray real quick. Holy Spirit, help us to know that God understands us. Thank you for speaking to us today. We open our ears to hear what you are speaking to us. In Jesus' name, amen. So think about it. God understands you. And you think, well, man, Pastor Scott, I'm, I'm different than everybody else. But see, that's the great thing about God. God understands each and every single one of us. And that could be a mind-blowing statement for some, right? Because sometimes we tend to hold God the Creator as someone distant or extremely disconnected from our lives. Because, you know, we realize and we recognize, hey, we're not perfect. And so God sometimes must be disappointed. But you remember a couple of weeks ago, we talked about how God's not mad. God's not mad. He loves you. Right? But that doesn't give you a license to do anything you want. But he loves you. And so here he is. He's not disconnected. Right? And, and when, we, when we think that way, it kind of, to me, it just stifles our ability to receive the fullness of God's love for us. Because we think he's just distant, far away. He doesn't really care. But man, he is so wanting you to press in. So wanting you to, to, to lock into who he is. And be able to spend time with him in his word. Spend time with him in prayer. Spend time with him in worship. In that secret place. He wants all of that for you. Because he wants to show up. Right? Because he's not distant. He's not afar off. But he's right there with, you know, Emmanuel. God with us. He's, he's right there. And so when we say God understands, well, how, how, how then does that work, Pastor Scott? Well, 
It's by the gift of his son, Jesus. That's how he understands. Because Jesus added humanity to his deity. That's how he understands. Right? Hebrews chapter 2, verse 14 and 17 says this. Again, in the New Living Translation. It says, because God's children are human beings, made of flesh and blood, the Son also became flesh and blood. Right? So he added humanity to his deity. For only as a human being could he die. And only by dying could he break the power of the devil who has the power of death. Only in this way could he set free all who have lived their lives as slaves to the fear of dying. Verse 16. We also know that the son did not come to help angels. He came to help the descendants of Abraham. That's us, right? We are the descendants of Abraham. So that means he came to help us. Therefore, it was necessary, say necessary. It was necessary for him to be made in every respect like us, his brothers and sisters, so that he could be our merciful and faithful high priest before God. Then he would offer a sacrifice that would take away the sins of the people. Right? So right when he took on this humanity. He, he walked as God in the flesh on this earth, which then allows him now to identify with you and I. Right? He, he identifies with us. He, you know what? He even sympathizes with us. That's what Scripture says. He has compassion for you regarding everything you're feeling and the situations you're facing. He does. And what we'll read a scripture that proves that. But see, Jesus has been where you and I are. He has felt what you feel. He understands your dilemmas. He understands or has experienced your problems. Right? He's familiar with disappointment. He is familiar with your temptations. He's familiar with all of it. Because he understands you. He understands me. And he understands what we face. Now, you could say, well, wait, whoa, whoa, hold on, Pastor Scott. Now, when Jesus was there, man, he didn't face the situations or the things that I'm, I'm facing in my current world, right? Because it was different back then. I mean, they didn't have internet. They didn't have, you know, availability to, to things that are easily would kind of cause you to, to, to lose focus. They didn't, they didn't have that, right? So you would think, well, wait a minute, so... How, how, then it, how then was it different? How, how then could he have experienced everything that uh, I went through? But you know what? Uh, Solomon says in Ecclesiastes, there's nothing new under the sun. There's just absolutely nothing. So that just you know, means that there's, the more things change, the more things stay the same. That's just what it is. And if you grew up listening to the who, it means like that guy said, here's the, here's the new boss, the same as the old boss, right? That's a long time ago in my life, right? But, but understanding that, you know what? There's just nothing new. So I was thinking about that, and I was asking the Holy Spirit, and I was just thinking about the fact that, you know what? The one thing that probably doesn't change that, that I think Jesus could experience the same thing as us is that heart attitude and the mind, 
right? Yes, he was God and he was human. But I believe, though, that Jesus still had to guard his heart. And I believe that he had to guard his mind. And so in that, he probably faced other things, right? Because our, our Bible only tells us, you know, a, a really big, huge, major temptation. But I'm sure he faced other things. But the fact is, is that, you know what? He guarded his heart and he guarded his mind. I think that's why the Bible says in, in Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23, it says, guard your heart above all else. So imperative. For it determines the course of your life. So what are you giving your heart to? Right? If you're wondering, man, what, what's my life all about? What, 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 what's going on? Why is it keep that? So what are you giving your life to? What are you giving your heart to? What, is it, what are the things that you allow, that, that, that you focus on? The other thing in Colossians chapter 3, verse 2 says, set your, mind on thing, set your minds on things that are above, not on the things of this earth. Again, that goes back. Guard, right? Talks about the gateways. Our ears, our eyes, gets down into our heart. It affects our lives. So your heart and your mind affect your whole life. And here's the thing. Jesus understands that. Because in his humanity, again, like I said, I think he had to guard his heart and discipline, have discipline over his mind in every area. Because I, I, I believe the opportunities probably presented themselves that, that we don't even know about in Scripture. But because Jesus had guarded his heart and guarded his mind, had fellowship with the Father constantly, right? The Bible talks about he would, how, he would go, how he would go away and he would pray by himself. He had this fellowship constantly going on that then that enabled him to overcome the temptations that possibly were, were, were put before him to where I believe, and that's why it says he can identify with me. Right? Right? For an example, you know, we're, the Bible says not, 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 to, not to get angry. Right? Now, think about this. When Jesus was in the Garden of Gethsemane, and he asked the other guys, hey, his three guys, Peter, James, and John. Hey, pray for me. He come, and he shows back up, and here they are sleeping. Right? Pray with me. So he, he goes back, and he starts praying again. He comes back, and they're sleeping. Right? And he's like, hey, can't, couldn't you pray with me? I mean, he could have got really mad and angry. He could have chewed them out. He could have just kind of ripped them up one side to the other. But he didn't. See, but I think it's because God's word he had a protection over his heart. He had um, protection over his mind. He had this fellowship with the Lord. And so he, the Bible says that, you know, he didn't even get, he didn't even sin. Right? He who knew no sin became sin for us. And so even though in, in his culture it might have been different, I think it's just kind of packaged differently for us in our culture today. We just got different elements that we have to deal with. And so here we look at it and say, you know what? Praise the Lord that Jesus was like us, right? You can't deny, you can't, you can't. It's a non-negotiable topic when it comes to his divinity and his humanity because Jesus was able to be our high priest, right? His, the high priest represented us before God. He, he atoned for our sin, our punishment, 
Yet, he understands us, right? All of that helps, helps us to recognize that he understands us. He empathizes with us. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 14 and 16 says, Seeing that then we have a great high priest, Jesus, who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession, for we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses. Praise the Lord, right? Because I'll be the first one with my hand raised. I got weaknesses, right? This we, you, you, I always use this one, but you know, you know my, my struggles with driving and people who drive slow and don't, you know, just kind of, ugh, that's a weakness. I get angry, right? But, but it says, for we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted as we are yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne room of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Man, I love these verses because they emphatically declare three truths for us to lean on to know that God understands. The very first point is Jesus was tempted and tested. Jesus was tested and tempted, or tempted and tested. And, and I really think it's important for us to, to, to let that sink in, that Jesus was tempted and tested. Even though he was God, right? He faced every temptation that you and I face in some shape or form. Because I think it goes back again to the heart and to the mind. Okay? So he, he, he gets it. He, he understands. But see, because he was tempted, it makes, us, it makes it easier for us to approach him, wouldn't you say? Makes him more relatable to me. Instead of some far distant off God that, that, that we can't touch, Man, it's something that comes down and say, man, you know what, Jesus, you know what I'm going through. You know what I'm experiencing right now. You know what that, it just makes it so much easier, you right? And the word tempted in the Greek is pyrazo, which means to test, try or examine um, something for the purpose of determining its true nature. And that's why the enemy comes. Right? He comes and tries to trip you up with temptation in an area of weakness in your life because he wants to test if what you say and what you believe is real. Not phony, not fake, but, the, but testing comes. The enemy comes. Right? He wants to know, hey, so is this really true between this relationship you have with God? Is this really true that you believe God's word? So... Let's, let's, let's find out. And oftentimes we might fail, right? And when we fail, when we stumble, notice how quickly he begins to point the finger at you. He comes like with guilt. He comes with shame. He says, hey, you know what? You're a failure. You blew it. And guess what? God is so disappointed with you. But see, we've got to get to the point where God's word rises up and says, no, God loves me. 
And if I come back to him and I confess my sin, then you know what? He's faithful and just to forgive me of it. And he loves me. But see, that has to be some things that are anchored, rooted inside of us. But see, that's what the enemy does, right? He, he, he tried to do that with Jesus, right? Jesus experienced both temptation, both temptation right? Most notably uh, in the wilderness, Luke 4, uh, verse 1 and 2. When he encountered Jesus, it says, Then Jesus, being filled with the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. Then verse 2 says, Being tempted for 40 days by the devil. 40 days. And then he was tested too, right? Um, in, in, In what they call like, you know, the Passion Week. He was tested in that, which refers to the time of Jesus' prayer in the garden to his death on the cross. He, he, he suffered greatly. Hebrews chapter 5, or verse 5, says this, Though he was a son, yet he learned obedience by the things that he suffered. And having been perfected, so here he is, he's being perfected, Right? He became the author of eternal salvation to all who obey him. So as a result of both of those, he knows what it's like to be tempted to sin. And he knows what it feels. He knows how it feels to be tested by suffering. Right? He, he, he gets the magnetic pull of sin even though he was always able to resist it. Hebrews 4.15 says, was in all points tempted. Jesus was. Not just, I think, not just with the enemy. That's written in scripture. That's, that's what we want to know. But I think there was other things that, you know what? I mean, he, he, he was human. Wasn't he? Yeah, I mean, he, he, had, he had divinity in him, but he was human as well. And so I, I'm sure that he faced situations and things that, that like I said again, like he, we don't know in Scripture, but I very, very much believe that it was real, that he had to go through these things. So he knows how it feels to endure temptation. He, he knows how, to, how it feels to uh, go through testing and, and, and maybe other things as well. But his heart, his love for you, is so that you get the help you need when you go through it. See, we're not supposed to think that we're just alone and God's out there and he's not going to come around us and help us. He want, that's his heart. He wants to help you. He wants to, to, to help you walk through every one of these situations. And, and the thing is, you know, we have to realize that Jesus not, is not into the cancel culture of today, right? He's not. Or, or you know, he's not going to go on social media and blast you for, for following in temptation. And he's not going to stand way, way far apart from you and shout, you know, keep a distance from you and shout instructions to you. That's not how he works. That's not how Jesus works. That's not how God works. No, he wants you to partner up with him, with the Holy Spirit in your life, and he'll be right there next to you telling you what to do telling you how to get through those times of suffering, those times of temptation. So he's not, he's not distant 
at all. He'll stand alongside of you because he identifies with you because of what he went through. And, and, and he'll offer, he, I mean, he'll give you wisdom to be able to navigate those things. Which leads us to the second point is Jesus understands and has compassion. So not only was he tempted and tested, but as we've kind of alluded to already, Jesus understands and has compassion. Again, Hebrews 4.15 says, For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted as we are yet without sin. See, Jesus will always be our high priest, making intercession for us to pray for his church, to pray for you and I before the Father. He's the high priest, making intercession for you and I. He, Hebrews 7, 25 says, Therefore, he is able also to save forever, completely, perfectly for eternity, those who come to God through him, since he always lives to intercede and um, intervene on their behalf with God. I love that translation. That's why I brought it because it said he always lives, right? He's alive today. He always lives to intercede and intervene on their behalf with God. Who's their behalf? Our behalf, right? Yeah, our behalf. And to me, I mean, that's just... Awesome, because here's Jesus praying and interceding for you right now. He's interceding. He is praying to the Father, right? And here's the deal. His interceding is not judgmental. See, the, the enemy wants you to think that. It's not judge, judgmental, but it's sympathetic towards our weaknesses. That doesn't give you an excuse to sin. That doesn't give you a, a license for it. And it doesn't give him the ability to overlook it. You can't do that. You can't live in sin and expect God to be merciful and gracious sometimes. Right? But the thing is, is when he's praying for you, he's not praying from a judgmental stance. That'll all come down the road when, when we go to see him face to face. But right now, he is praying with sympathetic thoughts. Father, man, I, I, you love them so much, and you recognize that that's an area in their life that's, that's, that's falling apart. But you know what? I know that you are good. You are gracious. Father, do whatever needs to you know, happen. I'm just making, you know, whatever, but you know what I'm talking about. But see, that's the thing we have to look at. He's not praying, interceding for you with judgment, because a lot of times we take that on. We think, oh, he's so mad at us. He's so angry at us because, you know, I, did, I messed up again or I did this or whatever. Well, if we come back, make it right, then he, he's praying not in that way. He's praying so that, man, you'll be strengthened, that your faith would be strengthened. But see, that's the thing we have to understand, right? He prays for us that way because he's been there. The Greek word uh, for sympathize basically means to share an experience with someone or to sympathize with and have compassion for someone. So he is touched 
with the feelings of our weaknesses. Just, just like a father um, who has mercy on his children, right? Well, my, my, my kids have a, a, an area of their life that they're working through or trying to, get to, to grow in, but man, they falter. I'm not a dad who comes in and just blows them to pieces. I'm a dad who comes in and, and sympathizes with them and says, okay, let, let me help you get this right. Let me help you correct those things. Let's, let's get working on those things. But that's, that's how God the Father is. That's how it is. Psalms 103, uh, verse 13 and 14 says, The Lord is like a father to his children, tender and compassionate to those who fear him. For he knows how weak we are. He remembers we are only dust. I mean, we are people with limitations, wouldn't you think? I, I mean, it, we, we have weaknesses. But see, Jesus understands and he's very much aware of your weaknesses. He's very much aware of my weaknesses. But that's why he has compassion for each one of us. That is why he's our intercessor, right? Our personal advocate before the Father. And here's another great scripture. Uh, Psalms 139, verses 1 through 3, it says, O Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know my sitting down and my rising up. You understand my thoughts afar off. You comprehend my path and my lying down and are acquainted with all of my ways. So no matter what you're going through, right, you have a God who's intimately acquainted with all of your ways. He knows what's going on. He knows, like I said, he comprehend, you comprehend my path and my lying down. Usually when you're lying down, you're taking a nap. Or you're sleeping. Yet God is constantly thinking about you. He's constantly, you know, knows and, and is, is looking, looking out for you and, and, and really probably talking with the Holy Spirit to help create these pathways for you to grow in your relationship with, with him. So here God is, and he, he's acquainted with you. He's not far away. He doesn't remain distant from you. Instead, what he wants to do is he wants to crawl up to you. He wants to crawl down in the deepest, darkest places of your life. And if you'll let him, then he wants to compassionately, right, wrap his arms around you to give you comfort, give you the comfort of his presence. But see, you've got to let him. Oftentimes, we just let the devil beat us, beat us, beat us, drive us, drive it down, down, down. But see, if we would turn to him and allow him to, to be a part of our life, he wants to come around give you a hug, compassionately tell you, man, I'm here. My presence is with you. I love you so much. We, I know we can, we, let's, let's work on this thing. Let's get it, let's get it right. Let's get it better, right? And then, you know, also he wants to infuse strength inside of you so that whatever comes your way, whatever temptation comes your way or testing that, that you're walking through or whatever it is, he wants to give you strength. He wants to empower you, infuse you with that so that you can walk through whatever it is. Hebrews chapter 2, verse 18 says, Since he himself has gone through suffering and testing, he is able to help us when we are being tested or tempted. Man, how awesome is that scripture? It says he is able to help us when we are being tested or tempted. So because Jesus added humanity to his deity and experienced human temptation and testing, 
He is able to understand you and compassionately help you in both of those things. Which leads us to point number three. We can run boldly to to God for help. So in all of that, in that testing, those, 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 those temptations, those things that we face and encounter daily, we have to recognize we can run boldly to God for help. You don't have to do it on your own. Verse, uh, Hebrews chapter 4, verse 16 says, Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy to find grace to help in time of need. Now, thinking about just that word boldly, I mean, to me, that just vividly depicts how much God wants you to come to him. He wants you to come to him. I mean, never, ever, 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 ever be afraid or, you know, feeling so like, ah, God's so mad at me or angry. No, he is inviting you all the time. Come to me. Come, come to me. And, and that word boldly, if you, if you were to break it down, right, is referring, actually the Greek word refers to it as freedom of speech. It depicts a person who speaks his mind straightforwardly with great confidence. Now, give me a little bit of a background. In the New, at New Testament times, freedom of speech was looked down upon. In fact, you would be punished. If you just, you know, use freedom of speech or whatever, you were straightforward and all, all of those things. You would be punished for violating the rule. But what's so great is here the Holy Spirit, right, is telling them that, that you know what? God wants you to be very direct with him. Not in an irreverent way, but he wants you to be direct with him. He wants you to be straightforward with him about what is going on, the needs that you have in your life. If you're in the middle of a temptation, talk to God about that. God, help me. I need your help right now. I need to get out of this thing. Whatever it is, whatever needs that you have, man, he does, you don't have to approach him with a tim- timid or fearful uh, sense about yourself. You, you, he says, come boldly into the throne room of grace, right? Tell the Lord exactly what you're facing, exactly what you need. But he wants you to speak up. He's encouraging you to speak up. How, 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 how can you speak up? Well, it's because you have a relationship with him, right? We have no problem talking to people that we have a relationship with, right? Pretty much. So develop your relationship to the point where you can come to God and you can just share your heart. I mean, the Bible says he already knows what's going on, but obviously it's important for us to actually tell him what we need. Otherwise, he wouldn't have said it. He said, well, man, I already know what you need, so you don't even have to talk to me. No, right? So he wants us to come. He wants us to be bold and request his help. He wants to hear exactly what's on your heart. And then once you do that, the verse promises that you will find grace to help in time of need. 
And the word time is the Greek that word that describes a well-timed moment, the right time, a suitable time, or an appropriate time. And just breaking that down, if you were just to look at that word time without all the other stuff on it, right? There is no better time than for you. There's no better time for you to approach God, especially when you have a need. Because he, he, he wants you to, right? It is the appropriate time, the suitable time. I have a need right now. It's appropriate right now to go to God. It's appropriate. And then you remember a couple weeks ago that I told you about that phrase um, that, um, you know, find grace in a time of need is also a phrase that's translated from a, uh, a Greek military term that um, beckons a soldier to battle. So the moment a soldier hears that one of his co-fighters has been um, surrounded or has been taken captive um, or is um, struggling, then that, 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 that um, soldier then jumps to his feet and comes to, to help, comes to secure victory, comes to, to the safety and the well-being of that fellow fighter. And so here God is doing that where he's saying, you know what, in that, that sequence as well, then you know what, Jesus jumps to his feet. The moment say, hey man, I, I have a need. Jesus jumps to his feet, the mighty warrior that he is, and he comes to your defense in order to help secure victory. Help to secure your victory. I love the phrase that it said when you're struggling. So don't let the enemy just keep telling you, hey, yeah, you're blowing it or you're not hitting the mark or whatever it is and you're just kind of struggling with your faith and struggling in your relationship. No, go right to Jesus immediately. And say, man, I am struggling today. Or I'm struggling in this circumstance. I'm struggling in this, this, this thing. And Jesus, I need your help. And if the, 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 the way the scripture lays out, Jesus jumps to his feet. Because he loves you. He so loves you. He jumps to his feet and he starts moving. He starts to move on your behalf. And then the Bible also tells us that besides having his active assistance... He also provides a way of escape in the midst of temptation, right? So look at 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13. So not only does Jesus jump to his feet, but he's also saying, hey, you know what? This is also going to take some work on your part. It's also, you, you got to apply some things here as well. So it says this, it says, no temptation, okay, regardless of where it's coming from, regardless of the source, has overtaken you except as is common to man, but God is faithful, right, to his word. He's compassionate. He's trustworthy. But it says, God is faithful who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able, but with the temptation will also make the way of escape that you may be able to bear it. To me, that's, man, that's good news, right? All temptations, like any outside source that appeals to the weakness of your flesh, right, that can pull it in like, pull you in like a magnet, listen, can be defeated. It can be defeated. It can be beaten. See, you just have to make up your mind that you're going to be the conqueror and not the conquered. You got to make up your mind that you're not going to give in to that. 
That, you know, you have to stop the process before it sets the hook in your soul. And then leads you right into the middle of some kind of sin. You've got to stop the process. But see, part of that is coming to him and saying, hey, I need help. Right now. See, and the the Holy Spirit is so amazing. Because the Holy Spirit will begin all of a sudden start talking to you. And you'll know the difference. Because he'll say, walk away. Run. But see, that's then where we have to make the decision. Am I going to obey? Am I going to do what he says? Because the enemy will say, stay. Oh, you're strong enough. You, 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 you can get by that. But the Holy Spirit's like, no, no, I want you, I want you to run, right? Because God, God, God promises he'll make a way of escape. That word escape in the Greek means to walk out as to walk out of a difficult place, a, a trap or a place that isn't good for you. Now, related to the Bible in some way, think about Joseph and Potiphar's wife, right? Potiphar's, Potiphar's wife tried to seduce him. And Joseph didn't sit and try to negotiate with her. Hey, ah, well, wait a minute, you know, whatever, no, 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 no. What did he do? The Bible says he ran. He got out of there as fast as he could. He could, did not negotiate the situation, right? And just so you know, negotiating with, negotiating with sin usually leads to falling, falling into it when you try to negotiate with it. That's why Paul said in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 22, he said, flee also youthful lusts, but pursue righteousness, faith, love, peace, with those who call on the Lord out of a pure heart. It says flee, right? It means to take flight, to run away, to run as fast as possible, to escape. So if you don't want to surrender to the temptations that are set before you, then you need to get up and get out of that place of temptation. Because you know what, you, I mean, you can walk out of it as easily as you walked into it. Because your feet work in both directions. Right? They do. But you can easily walk out of it. But God will make a way of escape if you really want to escape. But it's up to you to be able to jump through the escape hatch. Right? It's up to you to be able to listen and say, hey, yeah, no, that, no, no, you know. Have your radar up. The Holy Spirit, man, is, that's part of his job. So we've got to be able to begin to, um, in the process of all of this, be able to say, okay, Lord, I need your help when temptations come up. When te- testing comes, when the enemy comes to test you. Okay, help me to understand what do I need to do. And then just do it. Whatever that is. He might lead you to a scripture. Right? He might say, hey, go talk to this person. That, that you know, has got some depth in their life, is rooted really deep. So you can make a wise decision. Right? Right? where, you know, the Bible talks about where it seemed right to them 
from the Lord. But, but allow people to, to speak into your life as well. But see, he wants to give you the ability to avoid and to elude and to, to, to break away from every single one of these things. He wants to help us. But see, all of that, all of this happens. All of these three things kind of fall into place because God so loves you. God so loves you, right? That he chose to identify and to relate to you because he loves you. And then because he identifies with you and he loves you so much, then that causes him to be moved with compassion and he begins to understand the things that we are going through, the things that we are walking through. And he wants to be there in every single one of them. He doesn't want to stand back. He doesn't want to say, well, you know, you, you, sometimes uh, in... in um, in, in relationships with people, you know, sometimes we, we go ahead and we kind of just face things on our own, right? And then someone goes, well, why didn't you call me? I would have helped. I would have been there for you. I would have been whatever. But see, we feel like we got to do it on our own. But see, what we have to understand is that God's, God's, the same. God's like, hey, I want to help. When you have a need, when you have a temptation, when you have a testing going on in your life, man, I need you to, to get press in a little bit deeper because I love you. I'm not going to run away from you. I'm not, I'm not going to just, you know, kind of just say, yeah, I'm going to distance myself like we do with people sometimes. I'm not going to distance myself. I'm going to get in, into the muck and into the mire with you. And I'm going to help walk you through this in every situation, but it's because he so, so, so loves you. And so as we wrap up, go ahead and bow your heads. And I just want to give you, give you a second on your own to, to pray to the Lord. If, if anything in the message spoke to you that maybe you just need to talk to him about or, 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 or maybe even get something squared away with or, or whatever it is, I, I just feel impressed to give you a second on your own. And then what I'll do is I'll pray right after that. But, but, but just, just talk to the Lord right now. Allow him or even just stop to listen for a second. Holy Spirit, we thank you for the opportunity to hear God's word today. Holy Spirit, whatever revelation, whatever understanding that we need to know that you understand, that you know in, in the circumstances that we are maybe currently facing or even those opportunities where um, the enemy brings temptation to us, I thank you that you are praying and making intercession for us.
with compassion, not with judgment, but with compassion, sympathizing. And I pray within all of us, Holy Spirit, that Holy Spirit, you would rise up from the deep well inside of us. And you would help us to, one, understand that God loves us so much that he understands us, that he became like us. And two, that we would understand that, Lord, we can come to you with anything. We can have freedom of speech when we come to you and ask and and share the needs that we have with you. And I thank you that you, you go immediately and you help us and you strengthen us to overcome these temptations, overcome the testing that maybe we're walking through. Because our relationship with you is strong and our relationship understands that you so love us that you won't let any harm come our way. And so I thank you for the work that you're going to do within us during this week. Whatever it is you need to talk to us about, whatever it is you need to speak to us about, Holy Spirit, I I just release you to do that throughout this week, that we would be sensitive to the leading of the Lord and that we would be a people that say, yes, I am more than a conqueror because of what Christ has done for me. And so I thank you for your goodness. I thank you for your grace. I thank you for your mercy. And I'm so grateful for your love over all of us. In Jesus' name I pray. Thanks again for listening. To hear more messages like this one, make sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for more messages. If you like what you're hearing, share it with your friends. For more content from Lakeshore and information on services, check us out at lakeshorecf.com.